InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Those trendy energy drinks are everywhere these days. But did you know that one top expert is calling for government warning labels? InfoTrack's Taryn McCall is here with the story. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. Dr. Roland Griffiths is a professor of behavioral biology and neuroscience at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore. He recently co-authored a report that took a close look at energy drinks like Red Bull and Rockstar. Dr. Griffiths, welcome to InfoTrack. Glad to be with you. So tell us about your report. What were you looking for and what did you find? Well, we've been interested in this new market segment of energy drinks that have come along in the last 10 years. And what we've found is that there are literally hundreds of these products now available. They vary enormously in the caffeine content, so you can have an energy drink that has as little as 50 milligrams of caffeine, which is the equivalent of about that that you might find in a, in a Mountain Dew, or as much as 500 milligrams of caffeine, 10 times that amount, which is surely sufficient to produce caffeine overdose in caffeine-sensitive people or someone who's not a habitual caffeine user. So tell us some of the concerns you raise in your report. One is that the amount of caffeine is unlabeled on most of these products. And furthermore, they're being promoted to the manufacturers would say young adults. But in fact, the group for which they appeal are adolescents and children. And they're being promoted for functional ends to enhance performance or increase concentration. And we think that that's a bad message to send a vulnerable population. So tell us some of the concerns you raise in your report. Well, the concern is that people may inadvertently overdose with these kinds of products because they don't know how much caffeine they're getting and some of them have such extraordinary levels of caffeine in them. And the second problem has to do with just the marketing message that it's okay to use performance-enhancing drugs, if you will. And I think we're coming as a social consensus to quite the opposite opinion, that at least with sports, we want to discourage the use of performance-enhancing drugs, yet this seems to increase them. And in fact, there's one report in the literature that shows that college students who use energy drinks are more likely to subsequently go on to the non-medical use of prescription stimulant drugs like Adderall and methylphenidate. I understand that you would like to see some government action regarding these energy drinks. Tell us about that. We're encouraging the FDA to start labeling the amount of caffeine in these products as well as include some of the warnings that they would include, for instance, on over-the-counter no-dose or stimulant preparations that are marketed and freely available for marketing caffeine products. Dr. Griffiths, how does, say, the low end of the spectrum there on uh, caffeine, how does that compare to, say, a cup of coffee? Well, coffee varies widely, but the standard amount is about 100 milligrams per six ounces. So for the smallest Starbucks, you're talking about 200 milligrams of caffeine. And a Red Bull contains about 80 milligrams of caffeine. So one small can of Red Bull is less than half of a cup of coffee. Yet we have some products that deliver as much as 500 milligrams of caffeine. And that's really the problem. We don't know how much caffeine is in these products. 
the amount of caffeine in coffee can vary quite a bit, but when we say quite a bit, it might vary over a one-and-a-half or two-fold range at most, whereas these products are varying over a tenfold range. You mentioned toxicity with caffeine in the energy drinks. Are you talking about something much beyond just coffee jitters? People generally don't slam back for Starbucks and all of a sudden run headlong into caffeine intoxication. Caffeine intoxication is a psychiatric diagnosis that's recognized by the American Psychiatric Association and their DSM classification, and it's characterized by symptoms such as nervousness, anxiety, restlessness, insomnia, gastrointestinal upset, so there might be vomiting or nausea, tremor, rapid heartbeat. So it's those kinds of effects when someone in particular follows the advertising slogans and the context in which these energy drinks are marketed, and that is, you know, slam the can kind of marketing, that they're going to throw themselves into, needlessly, into caffeine overdose. But if used judiciously, say somebody that doesn't like coffee but wants a little caffeine boost, as long as they know how much caffeine they're getting in a particular drink, there can be nothing wrong with it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Caffeine is caffeine, and if you consume it in coffee or tea, soft drinks or energy drinks, it's really all the same. Aside from the caffeine jolt, is there anything positive in those energy drinks from a health standpoint? Well, I don't think there's any scientific evidence that there is. There are all kinds of claims that are made for these energy drinks for functional enhancement, and many of them include a variety of other kinds of additives like guarine and a number of other herbal kinds of medications. But I don't know of any hard data that shows in any convincing way that these other ingredients alter the profile of uh, effects from these products. So I'm inclined to think of them as simply vehicles for caffeine delivery. There's a pretty popular thing happening in many bars across the country, and that's mixing the energy drinks with alcohol. What happens when you mix a huge amount of caffeine with a depressant, say like vodka? Well, it's interesting, and it is problematic. So in a number of countries, including Canada, there are explicit warning labels not to mix products like Red Bull with alcohol. And the reason for this is that when you do, the caffeine reduces the apparent impairment that the consumer experiences. So someone who's using caffeine and alcohol together will think themselves to be less drunk, less impaired than they are, and it puts them at greater risk for alcohol-related accident. And this has been a very successful marketing campaign, and I would challenge you to go into almost any bar next to a college campus in the United States and not find a Red Bull cooler. So it's very popular, but some caution should be exercised in mixing these kinds of products with alcohol. We're talking with Dr. Roland Griffiths from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine about caffeinated energy drinks. Doctor, are there any websites where people can find out about the specific caffeine levels in their favorite energy drinks? There is a website called energyfiend.com that has called together a lot of this information and published it online. 
I can't vouch for the accuracy of that website, but from what I know of the levels of caffeine in some of these products, the website seems to be pretty accurate. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Roland Griffiths, Professor of Behavioral Biology and Neuroscience at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.